And John will tell you, he knows exactly how long I preach every Wednesday night, thanks to this. But I'll, reading, I'll be reading from Matthew 8. I'm going to read the first four verses in just a few moments. I've got so much on my mind, so much I want to tell you about, so much I want to talk about, but i got to stay focused. But I just watched all those children just walk out of here. Wasn't that wonderful? Yeah. Wednesday night, we were talking about this. We were in Revelation 18, and there's a, a scene in Revelation 18 where an angel takes a millstone he throws it violently into the ocean and he says, this is an illustration. This is what it's going to look like. Babylon is fallen. He's talking about that broken world system that points people away from God. And he just throws that millstone in the ocean to, to signify that. And it sounds so familiar because in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said something very, very similar. Jesus said, you'd be better off having a millstone tied around your neck and to be thrown into the ocean than to offend or keep the little ones away from me. Look, I just believe Jesus takes it personal when you keep children away from him. Because if you think about it, it is the, it is the, the young people, especially the children, that are most open to the things of God. When you start talking to them about Christ and, and tell them the stories of Jesus and, and what he's done, I mean, they're the most open. It's you old folks that are difficult. Because if you've lived, you know, 30, 40, 50 years of your life and you've been figuring out why you did not need Jesus, you are the hardest person to talk to. You've got all those reasons and I'll sit down and I'll talk to you about it. But you've been thinking about it a long time. A 10 year old has not. You start talking to them about Jesus and their heart, their mind is just in a different place. And it's so important that the church have ministry to children. It's so important. And what a blessing it was to watch those children walk out of here and just just a few moments ago, and she'll bring them back, I promise. She'll bring them back. The man fell in a hole, and at the end, he gets out of the hole. At that point, he's got a different story, right? He's got a whole different story. His story is, hey, I fell in this hole, and I was stuck, and no one could get me out, and I could not get myself out, but then there was this guy. He showed up and he brought me hope and he came to where I was and he took me out of that. And, and from that time on, he's got a whole different story that he can share with the world. And that's what I want to talk about with you today, because your story, your story is a powerful tool for good in the world. And, and we're about to read one. It's just four verses. But in these four verses, you'll see the story of this man. And I want you to connect it to your own life. So this is Matthew 8, 1 through 4. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present your offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Would you join me for prayer? Father in heaven, again, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the, the brief story that's here and all that it communicates to us. And as we think about this over these next few moments, help us to understand our own story in the way that you give it to us to be used for good. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've got five of these, okay? Just a way of walking through this man's story and what his story is. And I want you to see each one and perhaps relate it to your own life. But this is how it starts. He is a man with a label. 
We don't have his name. We only know him by his label. Now, we've got other stories in the Gospels that, that give us the names. You know, we find out about Zacchaeus and we find about other, out about other people and we get their specific names. This guy, all we get is the label. He is a leper. That's it. He's a leper. He's a label. He's not a name. You got a label today? Had a label before? Had a few labels placed on you at some point in your life? Not, not so much people knowing your name or thinking about you or the kind of person you are, but just the label that they want to tag you with. Got a label? You can identify with this guy. Now, in his day, he was supposed to stay, you know, a great distance away from anyone who did not have leprosy. And he was supposed to shout out if anybody, kind of like Jimmy over here. Don't get close to Jimmy today. He'll tell you. He won't shout out at you, but he'll, he'll, you know, like I tried to walk to him. I thought he's over here. I'll just go shake his hand. And when I got close, he did the hand thing, you know, like don't do that. Okay. Well, lepers in the first century were supposed to shout out unclean, unclean. That was your warning. And so this guy broke that custom. He didn't do that. He came straight to Jesus. He talked to Jesus. And in this case, Jesus actually touched him. So it's just a, they just broke every custom of what was supposed to happen. But this man who had a label. What I'd like you to know today is that God takes labels and he turns them into lessons for people. God takes the label, whatever your label is, whatever label someone's tried to give you, God takes those labels, he turns them into lessons, and he does good with it in the world. There's a verse that you really need, okay? If you don't have this committed to memory, or if you don't have it marked in your Bible or something like that, then, then I want you to do so. It's Romans 8.28. Okay, just kind of make a note of that. If you've never heard of that one, you say, I don't know about that verse. Romans 8, 28, it says that God works all things. All, you can underline that in your Bible. All things for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, if you're going through some bad things, it's hard to think that all things are working for your good. All of them. But that's the truth. That's what the Bible tells us. It means, it means this, that nothing that's ever happened to you, nothing that's happening to you now, nothing that's ever happened to you in the past, nothing that ever will happen to you in the future, none of those things are surprises to God. None of them. He knows it all. And because you belong to him and because your spirit lives, his spirit lives within you, then he will take every one of those things. The things that happened to you before you even knew him, the things that will happen to you 10 years from now, he'll take all of that and somehow he repackages, repurposes all of that for good. And it doesn't mean the things that happen to you are good. It just means he's going to bring good from it. He's going to bring good out of it. Now, that will change the way you see all those difficult things that come to your life, right? If you look around and go, this is the worst thing I've ever gone through, and you look around and realize Romans 8.28 is still true, that somehow God takes this and he makes it and works it for good. He, he will take your label, your circumstance, your trouble, your trial, all those things, and then from that, he will bring good. Only God can do that, right? You and I can't figure that one out. We can't figure out how that's going to work. But that's what he does. If I use the name from the Bible of David, what label do you think of? You don't have to yell it out loud, just think. What label comes to mind if I say David? Well, King David, you're talking about that, David? Yes, King David. Man after God's own heart? Yes, that's a great label. Who wouldn't want that label, right? But he was also labeled as a murderer, which is a label that was true. He's also labeled as an adulterer, 
which is a label that's true, all those things true about the same man at different times in his life, and yet we still read about him in the Bible, we still talk about him, all these years later we still learn from his life, and God is still bringing good from this man's life, although we are hundreds and hundreds of years in the future. That's God taking a label and making a lesson out of it for good in the world. So whatever your label is, God can take it and use it for good. This man was a leper. Let me give you the second one. He was a man with a problem, a real problem. So real problems, they have a way of excluding everything that's not important. Like all the other stuff in your life just kind of disappears when you have a real problem. You let someone go to the doctor and find out they have a diagnosis of some really serious illness, all of a sudden nothing else in their life, all that frivolous stuff just gone. Like they don't care about it anymore. They don't talk about it anymore. They don't waste time on it anymore. The little problems that kind of have plagued them or aggravated them, that, that's just gone. They're not worried about it. Real problems exclude all the fluff, all the stuff in our life. And they bring us into focus. This man had leprosy. It's a real and present danger. It is a mortal threat to him. If, if, if just time goes on, it will cost him his life. If you've lived through this, if you've done it, then, then you know what I'm talking about. When you get a problem that's up there at that level, all of a sudden it makes you a really praying person, right? Maybe you prayed before, you prayed a little bit, you had blessings, you, you said thank you to God when something really nice happened, or, or maybe you said help me God when something bad happened, but you let a serious, big crisis or problem hit your life, and all of a sudden you're, you're one of those people they talk about in church, you're a prayer warrior. You're ready to pray, and pray about anything. That's what it does for people. When I was... Uh, in Bible college years ago, my favorite professor was a preaching professor. And this is why he was my favorite guy, because he had been a pastor for 25 years before he went into um, teaching. So he basically retired from pastoring, and then he was, he was teaching um, young pastors. And he told this story about this lady that came to see him, and she had a problem, and she was telling him about all of her problem. And he said, well, let's pray about it. And her response was, has it come to that? <laughs> Has it come? Is it that bad? It's always come to that. Always. Or at least that's the way it should be for us. Look, the, the Bible, if you're holding the Bible today or you saw the scripture on the screen a few moments ago, the Bible will tell you what your greatest problem truly is. And, and so many people go years and years in their life and they miss this. They think their problem is money or they think their problem is relationships or they think their problem is you know their family or something like that. But the Bible will tell you your greatest problem is your standing with God. Your greatest problem is the relationship you have with God or in this case the relationship you don't have with God. That is your greatest problem. And what the Bible will also do is it'll teach you about yourself. It'll teach you about God. It'll teach you about the world. It'll teach you why the world's like it is and why it's so broken and why we have all these problems. And it will tell you that this is your greatest problem and here is the only solution. It's through Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Again, the Bible is filled with those kinds of stories. Let me give you the third one. So he's a man with a label, a man with a problem, and he's also a man with faith. When I read this a moment ago, maybe I just went by it too fast. Okay, so just, just think of it again. This leper comes to Jesus, he bows before him, and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Just use your imagination, okay? This is a guy with leprosy. We don't know how bad it is. We don't know 
how many sores he had. We don't know if he was missing fingers or anything. I mean, we don't know how bad it was, but he had leprosy. That was his tag. Everybody knew it. And he walked up to Jesus and he said, if you will, you can make me clean. Now that's faith. That's not wishing. That's not hoping. That's faith. If you will, you can. Jesus, you see what I got. You see my problem. You know what I'm dealing with. But if you will, I know you can take care of this. That's faith, right? It's amazing. That's the kind of faith this man demonstrates. Faith is the hinge on which the door of your life opens. If you want your life to be what God wants it to be, it cannot happen without faith. If you, if you want your life to have the kind of excitement and adventure and all that goes with, with following God's plan for your life versus your plan or someone else's plan, if you want that, it will always require faith. And here's what I'd add to that. If you want to live a life of faith, if you want to follow Jesus wherever he wants you to go, he's going to lead you to some places that you cannot explain. He's going to lead you in directions that don't make sense. It's going to be like we heard last week, you know, to um, do the unreasonable and expect the impossible. Sometimes, and, and the Bible's full of those stories. We were just listening to the story of Elijah last week, but the Bible's full of those stories where God takes his people that believe in him and he says to them, you do something that's unreasonable. You do something that doesn't make sense. You do something that no one else thinks you should do, but I want you to do this. So that's what you do. That takes faith. So if your circumstances are bad, that becomes a real challenge, right? But wait a minute, pastor, wait a minute. You don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know how bad my problem is. I don't, and I might not need to know. What I do know is that if you take that to Jesus, you're no different than the leper. Jesus, here I am, here's my problem. But if you will, you can make me clean. You can change me, you can help me. So the children of Israel, you know, they were in Egypt for 400 years. When God delivered them from Egypt, there wasn't one person alive that even remembered what it was like not to be a slave. 400 years. I mean, they, they couldn't even remember their grandmother talking about not being a slave. Everyone had been a slave for generations, and God came and he delivered them. And there's over a million of them. They come out of Egypt. They're probably celebrating. They're making their way out. They get to the Red Sea, and there it is. You know, it's this water block. And so they've got the Red Sea in front of them, and behind them is the Egyptian army. They're not trained to be an army. They don't have the weapons of an army. They've got water in front. They've got an army coming behind them. What are they going to do? I'm sure a lot of them were like, let's pray because we're about to die. Right? This is it for us. Now, I don't know how many in that million group had faith, but we can certainly point to Moses because he did what he was supposed to do. He took his staff. He held it up in the air. The wind started to blow, the water started to part, and when it was all over, over a million people walked through the Red Sea like it was dry ground. That's a miracle. It's one of the greatest miracles recorded in the Bible, and it only happened because of faith, because people believed, and because God wanted it. Did, did you notice that in the scripture when we were reading it? The man says, if you are willing, and then Jesus respond, responds, and he says, I am willing. That might be the message you need to hear today. Because you're, you're over here praying and going, God, will you do this? Will you help me with this? Will, will you do this? And Jesus says, I am willing. I am willing. 
I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to do it for your good, but I am willing. Now, I don't know if this will help you or discourage you, but I should say it, okay? When we, usually when we ask the Lord for help, we want Him to take away what's bad, right? It's painful. It's difficult. We don't want it. We want Him to take it away. And sometimes He says, no, I'm not going to take it away. I'm just going to be here with you in it. And He takes you through it. He doesn't take you from it. And, and this room's probably full of stories just like that. Okay? So here's what I would say to you. If Jesus wants to take you through it and not out of it, then He's got good plan for you even in that. It's going to be part of your story. It's going to be part of the way that he uses what he's given you for good in the world. Somewhere in all of this today, what I hope you hear is that everything in your life is still in God's control. Everything. All of it. The good, the bad, the ugly, every piece of it. And he uses it all in his own way. Let me give you the fourth one before I run out of time. So he's a man with a label, a problem, a man of faith, and he's also a man with a transformation. Okay, that's verse 3 where Jesus actually touched him and said, I am willing, be cleansed. So in this case, just like with every person, meeting Jesus changed his life. When you meet Jesus, it'll change your life. I don't mean when you know about Jesus, it changes your life. Knowing about Jesus doesn't change anyone's life. Meeting Jesus, knowing him personally, changes your life. This room, and I've been thinking about this all week. I didn't know exactly who would be here and, and who's going to hear what I'm about to say, but this is what I know. This room is full of people who have transformational stories. You met Jesus. He changed your life. So I want to hear from you. Not right now. Don't be nervous. You don't have to tell your story yet, but that's something I know. Jesus changed your life, and this room's got lots of stories like that. And not only do I want to hear it, the other people in this room want to hear. We need to hear some of your story. So can you plan on that? Look, somebody's going to do it. <laughs> no. Look, you don't have to tell all your story. We don't need all the gory details of some of your story. But we need to hear some of your story. And we need to hear it because it's what God has done in your life. Okay, so you've only known me as a pastor, right? Can I just say I haven't always been this way? Would you believe that? My wife's not here, so she can't tell anything on me right now. Okay. But I wasn't always the person that you know that I am today. I wasn't always this way. I just wasn't. And Jesus Christ changed my life. And it was so dramatic to me that it seemed like the most reasonable thing in the world to just give him my life. It just seemed perfectly reasonable after what he did to me, for me, the way he, he changed me. It just seemed like the most logical, loving thing was just to say, I'm yours. Makes sense, doesn't it? And many of you have done that. And we need to hear that story. So here's what I'm going to do. You think about it. You pray about it. And when you're ready to go, you tell me. Because I would love to work in some of those stories into what we do together on Sunday morning. Take, take three minutes, five minutes, not 30. <laughs> three minutes, five minutes. Just tell part of your story. Explain what was going on in your life. Explain how he changed your life. And then if you want to share a little bit about how it's gone from there, do that. But just take a few moments to, to give God the credit and the glory for what he did in your life. That's what this guy's doing. Because he was transformed.
Let me move quickly. I, I want to do the last one. This is in uh, verse four. He is a man with a testimony. So, you know, meeting Jesus, he changes your life, but Jesus will change your story for the good of others. That's why he does it. It's wonderful that he changed your life. It, it means everything to you and it counts for eternity. That's true. But in this life, in the days and years that you have left in this world, he wants to take your story and do good in the lives of other people with it. Now, look, my story is not like yours. Some people hear my story and they go, that's good, but that's it. You know, you tell your story and someone else goes, that's me. When you tell your story, they relate to it in a way they can't relate to my story. That's how it works. That's why we are a church and we are the body of Christ. There's not one person in this room that has all the story. We all have pieces of a story of how God brought us to himself, how he changed us, how he brought us together, and how he plans to work through us to do good in the world. Now, the guy in this text, he was told to go see the priest. Why? Because the priest needed to know. The priest needed to know that Jesus did this, and that was a testimony to who Jesus is. Works the same way for you. You start telling your story, what you're saying is, there is a guy named Jesus. He's in the Bible. He lived 2,000 years ago, but he's still alive. He changes lives today. He's not like Napoleon. Anybody's life been changed by Napoleon? No. You can think of lots of historical figures you know about. They don't change your life. Jesus changes your life. And when you tell that story, it changes other people as well. We use the word gospel, right? And when we're saying the word gospel, what we're talking about is the message of Jesus. It's the story of Jesus. It's the message Jesus gave. It's what we read in John 3 a few moments ago where Jesus said it himself, that God sent his only son, speaking of himself, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, not die eternally, but they will instead have everlasting life. And then please don't miss that next part. God didn't send Jesus to judge the world, to condemn the world. He sent Jesus to save the world. Can you see how people get that mixed up all the time? They get that mixed up all the time. This is the reason you can look around at people, even Christian people, and condemn them. You do that because you got it mixed up. Jesus didn't come to condemn people. He didn't come to pass judgment. Now, he is the judge, and in the end, he's the final judge, but that's not why he came to this earth. He didn't come here to condemn people and say, look at all the bad stuff you're doing. That's not why he came. He came to save us. One of my favorite verses, again, in the Bible is in Romans. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Sometimes you just need to hear that because people get... They get sidetracked, they get derailed, they get held up when they start thinking about all the bad things or the things they've done wrong or the failures they've had. And they, they start to think their failures really are them, you know, and it's not. And so if you belong to Jesus Christ, just understand there is no condemnation. You're not condemned by God now. You'll never be condemned by him ever. He came to save and not condemn. You want to know who faced the condemnation that you're thinking, I deserve? Look, Jesus took that. That's what the cross was about. That's why he allowed himself to be beaten and nailed to a cross and die. He took the condemnation you deserve. You say, it's me. I did it. Yes, but he took it. And you will never be condemned. And that's your testimony. 
That's part of your testimony. So I want to end it like this today. Do you need a new story? I've been thinking about it all week. Again, I didn't know who all would be here. Maybe you, you might need a new story. You've got one story. This is your story. It's your only story, but you might need a new story. And that new story is possible through Jesus Christ. So, so how do you do that? This is how it works. In just a few moments, we're going to stand together. We're going to pray. And uh, Shirley's going to come. She's going to play some music. And we just give a few moments for people to respond. And, and so this is what you do. Just close your eyes and talk to God. You say, well, is that, what is that? that? That's what we call prayer. I'm promising you, if you and your mind start talking to God, He hears. That's what prayer is. There's no magic to it. There's no formula to it. You just direct your attention and say, God, can you hear me? And just talk, and God will hear you. That's prayer. And just tell Him. Say, I want to give you my life. I've messed this up. I've done this. Whatever you need to tell him, just tell him. Just offer to him yourself. Say, would you forgive me for what I've done? Would you take my life? Would you change my life the way you, you did in this scripture we read today? And look, in your own way, if you say that to him, he'll respond. He answers. Because that's a step of faith, and he has the power to change you. So if you need a new story, that's how you do it. If you got a new story, many of you do in this room, then it's a time to thank God for it and begin thinking about how you share that story with others. So whether you need a story or you've got a story, this is your time to respond. Would you stand with me and we'll pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace and mercy to all of us. We thank you, God, for the way you take our stories and you change them to something new, something better, really something perfect. And so, God, my prayer is for anyone here today that needs a new story, that they might look to you, that they might trust you and be changed. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. going to take up our offering now here at the end and uh, Scott if you'll help us with this Tyler will you come help us as well okay come on up guys when you give today just uh, if you're doing a check again make it out to Judy Ingram if you're giving cash and you want to have a record of it then please use one of our envelopes over there just put your name on it um, Judy will be doing the accounting for us as far as you'll know everything that's come in to the church every way it's spent 
every, everything we've done, how much we have in the bank, all of those things. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the offering in just a moment. But let's pray, and these guys will receive the offering. Father in heaven, again, thank you for love and mercy. Thank you for blessing us. And God, you have you've given us everything we need, and you always have. And so as we give this offering today, we pray that you'll take it and you'll use it to bring people into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.